this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Welcome back to Rebranded Safety. Rebranded Safety is a YouTube channel and podcast doing exactly what it says on the tin. So if you're new here, hit those follow buttons, whatever you're listening on. And uh, let's get into today's reflection on our conversation with Dominic Cooper. The problem in safety isn't deviation, it's complexity. Health and safety has gone mad. Health and safety is trying to unpick having gone mad in the past. There's no one solution and one problem. The problem is that we are looking for one solution. Does the structure of the team allow them to flourish? Feel safe enough to be uncomfortable. The environment defines our behaviors. People aren't the problem, they're the solution. Rebranding safety, crushing a stereotype. Brought to you by Risk Fluid. Okay, people, welcome back to Rebranding Safety. You know what rebranding safety is nowadays, and here we are, we're reflecting on my conversation with Dominic Cooper. This is probably the one interview I was most nervous about, and I said that in the intro to the to the actual interview that hopefully you listened to last week. Let us know what you thought of it. Hit us up on uh, all the social medias. So you can find me personally on LinkedIn, James McPherson, Rebranded Safety on LinkedIn and Facebook, and Rebranded Safety on Twitter because Twitter is hashtag special. So, hope you enjoyed the conversation. It was uh, it was a nerve wracking one for me for a few reasons. Um, it was it, we recorded this a really long time ago, and I'd probably say I'm better placed to talk to Dom now as than I was back then. Uh, if I'm honest, um, I actually recorded the, this conversation with Dom not long after I spoke to Tim, uh, and Tim Mars episode went out forever ago. So it was a really, really, really long time ago, and I wanted to do uh, a few things. I wanted to remain kind of like Switzerland, quite neutral in the safety one, safety two argument, and Dom is very, Dom is a very prominent part of that argument. Um, and and some of the people on the safety two side say that you know he misrepresents uh, safety two, and some and he would say that you know safety two misrepresents safety one. Um, and I didn't want to be seen to be talking to a safety two person one week and being like, oh yeah, safety two is the best thing since sliced bread, and then talking to Dom the following week and saying, oh yeah, safety one's the best fit to slice bread and safety two's bullshit. I didn't want that to come across like I was like that because I, don't, I genuinely don't think I am, but hopefully I didn't come across like that. So I was quite nervous about that. I was also very nervous around the fact that Dom is like a walking sponge of information. This geezer can pull a quote out and a date and a time and a, what the weather was like when the person wrote it off the out of his just off the top of his head it's unbelievably good at quoting things etc etc so i was nervous about that as well so i did a hell of a lot of research about it uh, we we the conversation was off the back of dom's article uh, safety differently not so different uh, which we'll link in the description for you all to to pick up um Firstly, let's, let's kind of talk about why I brought it forward. Uh, so, as I, as I alluded to in the introduction of of the conversation last week, I intended to put Dominic's co- uh, conversation out towards the end of 
the mini series we're doing now and the reason for that was i wanted you to all kind of listen to this mini series and then be like oh yeah this is so amazing and then dom come over and kind of like critically well well be critical of it um and 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 that be like oh okay and just kind of put your back a bit however I, there was a couple of things in the back of my head one like i said i've recorded this with dom forever ago i was conscious of that i kind of felt bad for dom in a way and i felt bad for myself like we kind of put this out forever ago uh, we should have put this out forever ago but i kept holding it back because i knew it'd be so good if i could get this mini series up and running and this would be such a good conversation to hear in that mini series so i held it back for that reason um but then why did i bring it forward well i decided pretty last minute this morning uh that i was uh, this morning at work the day i'm recording this which is about a week before you'll actually hear this uh to put it out last week and the reason for that was primarily because I felt like this was already becoming this big safety two mini series, and I felt like I needed to get that critical uh, safety one voice in there pretty quick. Uh, I felt like it was already starting to feel like this mini series is all about. Um, it looked a bit like we were going to be maybe labelled in that safety two hippie kind of crusader brand which i didn't want us to have and this this mini series is not about picking one or the other it's about showing the similarities and maybe asking you to focus more on the similarities than the differences uh, in these two so-called two systems um so i wanted to have dominant quite early and like i said i bounced around back and forth with this time and time again i just made the decision this morning right it's going out next week so Let's move on. What have I got in my notes? Let's have a look. So, da, 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 da. I will put a little caveat here is I've approached nearly every single person that is extremely critical about safety too on LinkedIn primarily to come on this podcast as part of this mini series and all have refused other than Dom. So fair play that Dom is the only one willing to not hide behind his keyboard um and you know if the others that i've approached are listening and want to just change their mind and come on after listening to this then then you're still welcome um but you know what don't don't sit behind your keyboards on social media if you're not willing to come on and discuss it um where i genuinely think i would be on the fence like i say quite neutral i'm willing to listen to everybody's opinion but the more and more you just keep attacking each other on linkedin the less and less uh people like me who are trying to work out what the fuck is actually going on here um are engaged in your conversations and your posts and your articles or whatever you're doing it just switches people off so you know hats off to dom he was willing to back up what he wrote uh, and come on to the podcast and talk about it um so thank you dom and uh, fair play to you mate so We've covered why was I nervous? Have I covered all my notes? Let's have a look. First thing, a heated debate. Yeah, I mean, it is a really heated debate and that just brings nerves anyway. Um, I didn't, yeah, I didn't, I just, I was really concerned about that misrepresentation piece. I was really concerned about, um, I'm conscious that we, we probably have more listeners on the safety two side if you are on a side. I don't think you should be if you are, but and i just thought oh this is just a like political nightmare so that was what i was worried about 
let's get into some of the things that Dom mentioned then. So, Dom feels like he was attacked by Safety 2. That is the overarching kind of beginning of that conversation. You know, he said he was pretty much uh, vilified on social media after he wrote um, some posts and some articles, etc., etc. Um, and, and I wanted to kind of put this out there that I, I have witnessed Dom be extremely aggressive on webinars, on... Um, LinkedIn posts, etc. And I think there is some bias there. Um, I think I genuinely think there is some bias there, which we all, us as listeners and us as kind of people trying to work out where, which, which fork in the road to take, so to speak. We need to be aware of those biases because, and I don't think Dom is unique in this. I think I think Todd has a hell of a lot of biases. Uh, I think when it comes to this academic space, there's there's more egos than there is actual. Um, anything else maybe i don't really know i'm just speaking from my own opinions from conversations with people however whilst i have seen dom be aggressive i have seen nothing short of what i would say digital bullying um from people that are so-called safety to um you know whatever advocates whatever you want to call yourselves uh two or three people come to mind one of them is particularly prominent um, and I've seen him write an entire blog um, about one of Dom's posts and just literally ripping into him, um, which frankly I thought was disgusting and frankly I thought was just shocking and really I thought it was kind of was kind of con- contradictory to the kind of values what I would think are inherent within Safety 2. Um, so... Yeah, that, that was shocking. And I think when it comes to this argument, I think we go to work, if you're a safety, so-called safety two person, you go to you go to work and you're all about, oh, what's the context? And, you know, have some empathy and stuff like that. And the second is someone who think, who comes along that says they don't think safety two is anything new or, or anything special, you forget all of your values and just become an absolute dickhead. Um, and I think that's on both sides. I think the people in the safety one who are just complete arseholes every single day that do nothing but boring same old posts with no research no articles no links no nothing backed up to anything it's just pure rhetoric and sometimes opinions and rhetoric are are valuable i genuinely think they are but most of the time it's just complete horrendous rubbish and and it's just all of this arguing is probably two very small groups of people excuse my mum's dog in the background dreaming um and, uh, and and it kind of overpowering from the actual conversation it needs to be had. So, and that is the aim of this mini series is to is to draw you away from the arguments and to tell you, try and tell you what what these stuff is actually about. So hopefully we've done that. Um, that was my little rant there about people arguing too much. Let's have a look at what else. I think Dom has this this kind of thing that didn't sit well to him, this notion around no blame, this notion around safety too, safety differently, new view, has zero accountability. Um, he talks about uh, you, you, you're not allowed to, if people choose to behave poorly, um, you know, you, you can't blame them. If people choose to take shortcuts, you can't blame them. Now, this is just my 10 pence worth i think i i tried to say this to dom and mate hopefully this came across well enough but my opinion on this is that i genuinely don't think that is the case 
Now, if in the academic writings or in the books that people have written, it does say that, frankly, I don't care. I couldn't care less. I really couldn't. Like, I think there is an element of accountability. I think we all have to take responsibility for our own, our own actions. And sometimes we make mistakes and sometimes we do things. Do the context, the environment, the situation, whatever, drive us to influence those behaviours? Like Don would say influence or uh, Todd would say it you know, drives or defines the behaviours. Scott Geller says the environment drives or defines the behaviours. You know, we're all pretty much saying the same thing here. Of course we're influenced by things. And sometimes we're influenced by things and we make a mistake and we're still held to account for that. And that should probably, that, that is probably right. However, what I feel like the Safety 2 community or the Safety 2 principle is, is not so much that we can't blame, it's that we must aim to learn. Um, so that sometimes the blaming doesn't let us learn. If you imagine like an incident, um, you would get to an incident and you'd be like, right, what happened? Well, Bob did press this button when he shouldn't have pressed that button. Okay, well, let's sack Bob then. End of story. But actually... What we don't fix is the one thing that made Bob press that button, which might have been the poor, I don't know, let's say we wrote the procedure wrong. Now, I'm really dulling this down just for the sake of this conversation. But let's say the procedure said, don't press that button. And, and Bob pressed that button, but then we sacked him for it. But actually, the procedure was wrong. If we just stick at blame, we never got to learn. That is a real simple way of kind of how I interpreted this this conversation around blame in the safety two space. So that that was my thoughts on it. Um I kind of get what, what Dom is saying in that, you know, when you have that conversation around blame, people do kind of automatically say, well how can I hold people to account? I feel like the biggest thing here is this fear of of people of this perception that people are these crazy people that are our employees, are these crazy people that are going to do things wrong all the time, that they're going to just be ourselves for the sake of it. I, I genuinely don't think that's the case. So I think about this uh, this story I heard on a podcast, um, the knowledge. Uh, the knowledge project podcast that's it and it was this lady who who kind of has raised uh, some of the most successful uh, children in the world like she's raised children that have become ceos of facebook or something like that and amazon or whatever i don't know no it won't be amazon uh, but anyway you know what i mean big brands and <clears throat> she gives this example which reminds me so much of the workspace she gives me this example where they go on holiday there's loads of kids there and all their kids are on their phones and they're not appreciating all the things that this holiday this amazing venue has for them um so all the parents are like well just take their phones off of them and this grandma she says actually no let, let me let me try something she goes over to the kids and says hey kids what do you think about this environment do you think you're wasting it on by just sitting on your phones and but like, just have a think about that. I want you to discuss amongst yourselves and maybe come up with a rule or something or come up with a way to have, go on your phone and, and appreciate the surroundings as well. But I'm, I'm not going to influence that. You just go away and have a chat amongst yourselves and see what you come up with. Long story short, the kids come back. They say like something crazy like, we made a decision, Grandma, we're not going to go on phones from 7am till 7pm. And, like, and the grandma's like, Jesus Christ, I would have never thought of anything that restrictive. But yet the kids did it. They followed it. They, they adhered to it throughout the whole thing. Why? Because they created that role. Why? Because they were given that autonomy and that, that engagement to be able to create that role themselves. And that created ownership, which ultimately created accountability. 
So at that point, when do you come back and you say, well, you're, you've done something wrong? Well, for me, this is a point of safety too, where you go back, the rule's not being followed, and your aim must be to ask why the rule's not being followed, because the rule could be wrong. You know, things change all the time. The rule could be wrong. So it's not necessarily the person's fault all the time. But maybe we get to a point where we find out that that person has just blatantly sabotaged someone, right? It could be because of something outside of business. It could be because of something uh, completely crazy. It could be because of uh, anything. But there's always things that drive these behaviors. Sometimes they're out of the business's control and they may have no choice other than to hold that person to account. I think that still exists in the world of safety too. I think what safety too is trying to say though is you have to try and learn why that person did that so that you can stop it happening again. And if that is your driver, then you will do well. That, to me, is what they're saying. Now, I could be wrong. And if Sydney wants to finally answer my emails and come on this podcast and answer a lot of the questions I have for him, then you are more than welcome, mate. So, let's move on. Do, 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 do. I think we've covered that. Uh... I agree. He mentioned the debate between uh, Todd and Scott. Don mentioned that, and, and I just wanted to kind of probably, I'd say second it, but I think I've said it about 20 times in this podcast. There is a video between Scott and Todd uh, in which they are both arguing but saying exactly the same thing. It's kind of funny how they are just literally saying it's raining outside and the other one's going no it's raining outside and then the other one will go no it's raining outside it is quite literally at times that painful one day i'll i'll do a like a screen grab video and i'll just watch it and critique it whilst we're watching it and produce a video for you all um that'd be quite that's quite a good idea i might do that actually um so anyway yeah i'll, I'll link that debate in the description below I've covered the blame thing. A lot of Dom's points, which actually, in hindsight, I wish I'd have thought about when I was doing this mini-series. I wish I'd have questioned Todd on this. But a lot of Dom's argument is that he is lacking quantitative answers. He is lacking numbers. What Dom wants to see is, what Dom wants to answer a very simple question. Does this actually stop people dying? Does this actually stop people being maimed and seriously hurt at work? Because if it doesn't, then there's no point wasting our time on it. Now, there's two things I want to say here. One, I think that's a very valid question. I think that's a very, very valid question because ultimately, if people are still dying at work, then really we're not succeeding in our role. If people are still seriously hurting themselves, we are definitely not succeeding in our role. However, there is another part to this where I think we are shifting over to this psychological safety and stress and mental health and we're understanding that side of things as well. Uh, which I suppose could be measured quantitatively through lost time and things like that as well. But Dom is ultimately asking here is where is the quantitative data? Now the problem I think we've got here is that fundamentally the debate, the debate is between what type of research is better, qualitative or quantitative? Now 
I look at it and think, well, why can't they both coexist with each other? I think we have to have them to coexist. I think we would still measure our accidents and incidents because we need to know if we're still hurting people. We still record them and measure them and monitor them. But what we wouldn't have is them being the only thing that drives what we do in our workplace because we try to back them up with some qualitative research within our business, some qualitative data of employee surveys and conversations, etc., etc., actual feedback loops, things like that. So I think the two coexist. Now, the problem is I've heard from some qualitative scientists on podcasts and in blogs and conversations on here, and I think we touch on it with the conversation with David Proven you'll hear in a few weeks, um, that qualitative research is apparently, in quotations, better than quantitative research. Now, I'm no scientist. I don't know whether that's true or not. the problem is you talk to one and you think oh yeah that makes a lot of sense you talk to the other and you go oh yeah that actually makes a lot of sense and ultimately before we created this mini series my aim was to try and get a few of these people in a room together and me host a debate but no one seems to be up for that i much prefer to just argue over linkedin because you know that's just so much better for the world um so fundamentally i think this kind of safety seems to be the victim of all of these arguments between academics and science Uh, that that's how it feels to me but i think when it comes to the crux of it i think dom has a very valid question does this stop people getting hurt at work because if it doesn't what's the point i think that's a valid question if you disagree please put a comment on social media let's keep it civil but message me put comment social media whatever share this episode and then say i don't agree with this point james and i'll be like boom that's fine dom continues on to back that up by saying safety two is completely based on qualitative science which like i said i think i've heard a certain prominent scientist say that you know they believe that that is uh, the best version of science um, and that Dom then goes on to just say you know this is all based on Shine's work I think at one point he says Shine and I thought he said shite <laughs> which is why I laughed I think he says and that's all Shine and I thought he said and that's all shite and I was like <laughs> anyway completely off off track but um, I think a lot of the time people like me and probably you listening kind of get drowned in all of this academic stuff and and for me i'll tell you what this mini series is is probably hopefully i think one of the best we've done but also one of the most tiring ones because i've had to try and throw myself deep into this argument and really understand it and i just can't get anywhere with it and it's painful at times and it's, it's it's stressful it's really quite quite stressful um to try and manage a dom dom continues on to kind of quote listing off you know a whole ream of companies that have tried safety differently and tried safety too and hop etc and 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 quotes that those accidents and incidents then proceed to to kind of subsequently increase uh, in fatalities and or serious in- incidents after uh, the implementation of harp or safety differently or safety too i i have don't have the, the the science to back that up i don't have the data to back that up and and frankly this is the problem is that you can't really get all of the data that you need in the front in front of you to actually vehemently say this one is the best one to pick um and that is, is i think fundamentally the biggest problem here as to why we're all arguing about it <coughs> i think um excuse me i think don makes a very valid point around safety not being an experiment um 
around you know it's 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 a risk isn't it to try something new when we're in safety because inherently if we're playing with safety then we're playing with people's arms fingers legs you know lives whatever their mental health whatever um and that's sometimes not a risk we want to take in an experiment but then to my point in a conversation with dom surely everything is an experiment of first um so I feel like we're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place there. Like, you have to experiment, um, but then you don't really want to experiment. I kind of like what Kelvin Genn talked about the other week in mini or micro kind of experiments within your business. You know, picking maybe lower risk areas and trying it. And then and then as you see success there, putting it up to a, another section maybe, something like that. But I thought that was a very valid point um, in what he was saying. It's that kind of we're kind of risk averse on that point of view and I, I kind of feel like that's why IOSH or maybe HSE or, or, or any of these bigger bodies are reluctant to commit or even comment a lot of the time on these safety to safety differently um, systems because they're we've not been to see them successful um, but you know as you'll hear in the next couple of weeks from all the other people they 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 believe it is successful dominic mentioned kevin furness you'll hear from him next week um and and kevin is quite passionate around the fact that he thinks he has been successful around it and fundamentally the stuff we talk about in safety too makes a lot of sense you know engagement was there in the beginning when we when we designed health and safety in the uk we said you need to engage with your people um and that is a fundamentally a big part of what safety two is talking about um that for me is is all we talk about when we say people are the solution not the problem all we're saying is there's a shift between um you know doing safety to people and now doing safety with people which dom even mentioned in his conversations so we keep coming back full loop here is we're just saying the same stuff over and over again um See, Don mentions about Sydney. Um, he he believes that Sydney is you know fully a full advocate of no rules, no no bureaucracy, no paperwork whatsoever. Now, if Sydney comes on the podcast, I'll question him on that. I I, I kind of hope he doesn't advocate that because I think that would be a bit naive if he did. Because I think Don makes a very valid point in that we need we need bureaucracy we need assurances um we have to be able to demonstrate safety to our insurers to our stakeholders that are not able to go and get that more qualitative kind of uh understanding by going on the shop floor and talking to people excuse the dogs behind me i've had to shut them in the room with me that's why we have no choice today so I hope that's not what Dom. What uh, I hope Dom's not correct in that. I really do because I do genuinely think that would be an oversight from from Mr. Decker. But we'll wait and see. Um, he he kind of criticised Dom. Uh, sorry, Decker's use of the word kind of anarchism, um, anarchist anarchism. Yeah, um, around the fact that that's what that is. You know, kind of overthrowing of a government, etc., etc. And and I, part of me kind of thinks that we have to be careful when we use those types of provocative language i think we do it a lot of the time um and i think a lot of the time it's around trying to sell what we've got trying to sell our ideas by using these provocative words and i think that 
that just gets misunderstood uh, and then people take it as gospel and i think maybe we're a victim of our own marketing i think maybe sydney is a victim of his own marketing or maybe he fully backs the idea of anarchism and then in that case he's well within his rights to use it isn't he um and that that be the challenge we've got here in that words only really exist in our own minds um i think that when i think about a bit of anarchism i think that you know we're talking about like comfortable dissent you know comfortable conflict within you know it's like kind of like having controlled anarchism so to speak within our business like um you know kind of like that 10th man thing that i talked about i think from like world war z um having people there to play devil's advocate like a professional devil's advocate in a way maybe that's what he means i'm not really sure um maybe one day we'll hear from him Let's have a look what else I've got in the notes. Um, I've got put here that, that, that when Don was talking about Sydney and how and how his kind of language just kind of um, maybe that provocative language has kind of caused a lot of this stuff. It reminded me of when uh, we did our, our first keynote last year in Sail Sharks Rugby Ground and um, uh, a gentleman that was uh, head of policy for IOSH came over and gave me some feedback. Um, no, he's not head of policy, sorry. Head of... Uh, ethics i think or something like that i can't remember anyway he came over and he gave some feedback and he said um do you know what it really kind of reminded me of sydney decker at that point my knees went weak and i thought well could i get a better compliment um at, at that time um and then he said without pissing people off and this was the first time anyone had really said anything negative about sydney to me like a lot of people had been really positive about like pretty much put this guy in a pedestal and I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Um, so I, we, we spoke a little bit and he said, you know, we talked about that provocative language. He talked about how aggressive he was in the kind of keynote. And I was like, okay. And I started to do a little bit more of a look into it. And I think that a lot of the time, this brings me to my earlier point in that we're all, us, us people just doing the job, doing the do. I feel like we're all just victims of all these academics just arguing amongst each other. This is what science is supposed to be, just people arguing with each other to come up with a solution. That's what scientists do. And all we can do on the shop floor is take whatever research is in front of us, whatever guidance, whatever documents and books is in front of us that we like, that we think works for us, try it in our workplace, see that it works, pick it up and go, this works, let's do it. This doesn't work, let's not. The problem with LinkedIn and social media and so on and so forth is that we're now fundamentally in these arguments. We're, we're in the middle of these academic science-based conversations and arguments that we would never have had foresight of before, or insight, sorry. We would have never had insight into that stuff before. And now you've got people like me who, who flunked science, frankly, actually. I flunked every subject at school and science is the only one I didn't. I got a C in it which for me was a massive achievement. Um, <clears throat> so I feel like maybe that's a bit of the problem. In the academic space, like I said, I think there's a lot of ego there. I also think there's a lot of... Um, Don mentioned about Sydney directly quoting Dominic's work in a keynote, uh, negatively quoting Dominic's work in a keynote, um, whilst Don was in the room. Now, I'm not being funny. That would piss me off. 
um, I, if, if it was done in a negative and poor tone, then that's pretty unprofessional. I wasn't there, I don't know, so it's hard for me to comment. I'm speaking hypothetically. So I feel like a lot of the time, the way we talk about this stuff is really aggressive. Like I've, I've heard people go, there's a certain podcaster that that, um, that does a very prominent podcast that's very much like that, calls people stupid, you know, idiots, and, and so on and so forth. Actually, there's two um, that I would probably say. And, and I just think it doesn't work. I just put people back up. Remember a long, long time ago, I did a, a podcast where I talked about Greta Thunberg, where I talked about her aggressive language just puts people on the back foot and, and foot and it loses your the value of what you're trying to communicate because all you're doing is pissing people off. I think a lot of the time these bloody academics and these scientists could really benefit from a little bit of learning how to kind of have conflicting opinions, but do it professionally and not do it immaturely, uh, surrounded by arrogance. I think we're all just getting drowned in that argument. That, that's just my opinion, anyway. Um, hope maybe you'll disagree with me. And if you do, come and let me know. Uh, so, what else have we got? Well, he finishes off with some really nice points, I thought. He finishes off with the three ingredients for a safety culture, a good safety culture, leadership, engagement, uh, and, and, and and you fix things. You kind of follow through on what you're saying. And, he, and then he finishes off again with the, thing, the signs of a broken culture. Uh, profit first, a profit before safety, fear-based culture, ineffective leadership, non-compliance, primarily in the management levels, um, miscommunication or, or what I would do, call a poor communication, uh, lack of competence and, and, and not doing your lessons learned. I don't think there's anything there that I disagree with. I don't think there's anything there that maybe safety too would disagree with. You know, improved leadership. Well, what's leadership? Leadership is is all your soft skills stuff. Is a good psychological safety is fundamental. Leadership is a fundamental part of psychological safety. Um, you know, having empathy and trust and all that, that's good leadership. They're fundamentally a part of safety too. Engagement is a fundamental part of safety too, in my opinion. Um, or my interpretation would probably be a better way to describe this. Following through on what you say, you know, that for me is just good leadership. It's actually fixing problems, listening. But Dom said the, a sentence in there that, that is commonly used in the safety two world. And he said that leaders should be going there and saying, what can I do to make the job safer for you? Now, that's something I hear from nearly every safety toe, safety toe, safety two, safety differently, hop, whatever. And that just came out of someone who's vehemently against safety two. So there's something to be said here for how similar these systems are. And, and I'll close this episode out by saying... When you're hearing these debates and when you're part of these conversations, one, I probably try to avoid them, but two, I'd probably try to focus on what is makes them similar as opposed to what makes them different. Um, the differences are key, yes, but the similarities are way more than the differences, 100%. And my final thing was I still stand by the fact 
that when we talk about safety one, I don't think we are talking about behavior-based safety. I genuinely believe that we are talking about the poor implementation of behavior-based safety. I genuinely believe we are talking about the poor implementation of safety as originally intended. A lot of the times I get extremely frustrated when I go into a safety two talk or keynote and some geezer is just talking about HSG 65, for example, plan, do, check, act. He's just talking about plan, do, check, act, but he just replaced the words. Or he's talking about the, the, the risk hierarchy, for example, which is in basic English, you know, British safety. And and he basically just calls it the re resilience triangle or something like that. And I'm like, dude, it's exactly the same as safety as originally intended, as I call it. Excuse me, I just knocked the microphone. So for me, it's it, it's what what do you what do you take away from this? Well, listen to the rest of the mini series and take away whatever you think is going to help you. You know, listen to all of these people and, and don't get sucked up in this debate and don't think, oh, what side am I going to commit to? Listen to the one-liners, listen to the little clips, you know, those three key fundamental bits for a good culture, those indicators of a broken culture that Dom's give you, pick that up and take it away. Todd's work around building capacity for the stuff that kills you, that I think is very valid changing the way we look at risk assessments when we're talking about the stuff that really hurts people shifting from likelihood to capacity i think that is really really good so that for me is how i describe it in my very crude way of describing things is in front of you right now you have a buffet a buffet of systems processes initiatives principles whatever you want to call them for you to pick at and run away with and combine them together to not create safety two, safety three, safety four, safety five, to create your safety, to create whatever works for you and your company. Because frankly, this stuff will change as you grow. It's dynamic. It, 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 as you as a business grows, it grows, it changes. You might not be in a position to have safety two. I was talking to Colin Nottage uh, just this morning on the Influential Safety Podcast, uh, sorry, um, the Interesting Safety Podcast. And we were talking about what's more dangerous, uh, poorly implemented Safety 2 or poorly implemented Safety 1. Now, I vaguely remember somebody telling me who was on the you know, prominent person at Safety 2 camp saying they'd be more worried about Safety 2 being implemented wrong than they would Safety 1. Um, and I, and I think that kind of resonates with me. I think you have to be quite mature in your business, uh, within your safety systems, your safety culture, your safety uh, approach to things and how you manage risk to be able to absorb the changes for safety too. And that's just my opinion. That's just my opinion. And I think a lot of businesses are in that space. But a lot of the time, like um, Teresa Sweeten from Hop uh, Par Paradigm, Hop Performance Company, you know what I'm talking about. She... Um, got an interview of her coming out probably in a long time now um, but she says you know we go to businesses and we work out if they're compliant first because if they're not compliant then, then they're not gonna be able to do all the other stuff so for me I think that's the way to look at this people so far let's listen to the rest of this mini series and wait and see but I, I've taken a lot from Dom I really like the guy I think he does talk a lot of, a lot of sense I think there is a lot of bias a lot of egos a lot of um, kind of my a lot of provocative language used in the academic space not just from Dom but but from all of them um, in which they in a way kind of create 
a really horrible situation for all of us that we can't see the wood for the trees. Um, but overall, uh, there's a lot of stuff that Dom said that I really, really liked. Really liked. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation. hope you enjoyed this reflection. Let me know what you thought and come and check us out. Uh, come and talk to us on all the uh, social medias, LinkedIn. How you can get me on LinkedIn at James McPherson. You can also get Rebranding Safety on LinkedIn and Facebook under Rebranding Safety. You can go to Twitter, Rebranded Safety, because Twitter's special. Um, and now we're on Instagram as well, so you come check that out. Don't forget to sort yourself out some merch, people. www.rebrandingsafety. Go sort yourself out some hoodies, t-shirts, mugs, the whole shebang. All right, peeps. Thank you very much for listening. I'll catch you next week. Safe. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily reflect the position of the companies. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are examples only based on limited and dated open source information and should not be utilised in real life as the only solution available. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the companies. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic or otherwise, without prior written permission from James McPherson. Thank <laughs> you.